0: What's happening y'all welcome inside the fantasy stock exchange dr edwin porous of FantasyPoints.com and bush coming at you today to talk about some fantasy injuries we are you know about a month away a couple weeks away from training camps opening And I figured we'd get a good, you know, injury roundup summary of the guys that are coming off of injuries because we are going to get hit with injuries fast and furious once these guys are on the field doing drills and, you know, in preseason games and stuff like that. Hopefully most of the guys that we like stay healthy, but we are going to be hit with a big dose of new injuries. So I figured we'd, you know, round up all the guys that had major injuries last year, some of the outlooks for these guys, because a lot of them are going very highly in fantasy drafts right now. So Edwin, how you doing? Uh, let you plug anything that you got to do, and then we'll uh, you know get right into this.
1: No, I'm excited to be, to be back on here. I think this is year three we're doing this. Uh, these are always fun. They're a good time. Uh, we've had we've had our ups, we've had our downs, but ultimately I think we're we end up somewhere in the middle, like usual. Hopefully a little closer to the winning side in the middle. But no, man, go to my Twitter at fb injury doc. Listen to my podcast, Injury Pro Podcast. Sign up for my new newsletter that's pinned to the top of my fantasy football twitter account the point of the newsletter is to push updates outside of twitter and to help people stop scouring google stop having to go like not needing to go to my page every five minutes um you know you don't have to do your own research like when i can just do it for you i'm going to do it anyway and i'll send you straight to your inbox that's the point of the newsletter so it's all pinned to the top of my page but let's get to talking to some guys man
0: Yeah, that's that's an awesome resource. Uh, I haven't signed up for it, but I will as soon as we are done here because it definitely like you said, it is kind of a pain in the ass having to scour Twitter, Google, all those places to find some good injury analysis. So make sure you guys check that out. If you enjoy this video at any point, hit the like button, comment down below any of your thoughts. Subscribe to the channel as well. If you are new, I believe this is Edwin's first time that we are in five figures on the channel. I I don't think we were at 10k last time you were on here. So Um, you know, closing in 11.5 K or so, uh, trying to get to 15, 20 K by the start of the season if possible. So, um, without further ado, let's hit the intro. All right, so we're going to start it off with what I have labeled here as the big three, mainly because these guys have been very, very fantasy relevant in the past. One of these guys was, I think, a miss for both of us last year. Um, And then a couple of these guys really hurt uh, their fantasy managers that had them and got teased a little bit with some great games in between. So we're going to start off with Christian McCaffrey, obviously a guy that has dealt with injuries the last couple of years, dealt with a hamstring strain and ankle roll in 2021. A lot of ticky tack stuff for Christian McCaffrey. So you're the, um, you know, there's no such thing as injury prone truther. Is <laughs> Christian McCaffrey, a guy that people should be worried about. Is he, you know, a guy that can't stay healthy? Um, what are your thoughts on Christian McCaffrey?
1: If you don't like Christian McCaffrey in redraft or in dynasty, I really think the answer that you're looking for is you don't like running backs early in redraft and that's okay. The top three injuries that have kept Christian McCaffrey out of action, his AC joint sprain from 2020, his high ankle sprain from 2020, and then in 2021, the hamstring strain are the top three injuries that happen to NFL running backs. He missed one game in college because of injuries. He played three seasons in the NFL without injuries. And then he had this big, you know, rash of injuries. Not great, obviously. I'm not going to tell you that you didn't lose money. I'm not going to tell you that. He doesn't come with any risk because that's obviously not true for any running back. But the moral of the story is that running backs miss more time than wide receivers. Uh, From 2016 to 2021, top 12 running backs who finish on on a points per game basis, who finish in the top 12, versus top 12 wide receivers on a points per game basis, the running backs missed zero games, only 33% of the time, where the wide receivers missed zero games, 50% of the time. Right, So you think that those numbers would actually be a little further apart, and they're not. right? When you look at one missed game and two missed games, the numbers for wide receivers and running backs are actually the exact same. So once you get up to the missed three games, missed four games, that's where running back takes a little bit of an uptick. That is not because of the higher frequency of games. It's more because of the type of games that they miss, sort of like what happened to Christian McCaffrey. So all that is to say... He's a dude who's upside to beat Jonathan Taylor out of the RB1 position is like that's not far fetched. In fact, I actually think it's more likely for that to happen if he stays healthy. I do think he can stay healthy. The only concern that you really start to worry about is the, the hamstring strain. But I mean, you would think they'd take care of that in the offseason. Most medical staffs would know, know what they're dealing with there. So I, I'm man, if you're letting McCaffrey slip past the 1.02, I don't know what to tell you like this is a case uh, there are a lot of other dudes that you can avoid for a lot of reasons we'll get into christian mccaffrey is not a dude that you should fade
0: yeah exactly and um there's i don't know how much you know impact this is going to have on his actual injury luck but he is apparently training with marshall falk to stay healthier a guy who is notoriously very durable throughout his career not sure how that much how much that is going to help him but it's definitely encouraging to know he's probably sick of jackasses like us talking about how he can't stay healthy (laughs) exactly Panthers made a mistake paying him and all that kind of stuff so Uh, Another guy that is getting hit with the injury-prone label, a guy that can't stay healthy, quote-unquote, a guy that both of us were very, very high on last year, in Saquon Barkley, suffered a freakish low ankle sprain against the Dallas Cowboys last year. This is a dude, I mean, knowing what I know about injuries, I'm sure you're going to probably echo the same sentiment. This should be the cleanest bill of health he's had in a couple of years, right? Two years off of the ACL tear. We know that they're more likely to, you know, not suffer these, uh, you know, not compensation injuries, but injuries that are likely to happen when you're coming off of a major injury like an ACL tear.
1: Yeah, I think what you're saying essentially is like anything that you were concerned about last year because of the ACL, you shouldn't necessarily be concerned about this year. And that's the same case, right? I I think that if we want to be consistent, we have to be back in on Saquon Barkley. We have to double down. Last year, I wasn't concerned about the ACL uh, simply because of his generational athleticism, his relatively you know, unremarkable ACL tear with only a little bit of meniscus involved in addition to the time that he had and the leash that he had from the front office. If you look at his weeks one through four, he played in weeks one through four, 48% of the snaps, 84% of the snaps, 86% of the snaps, 89% of the snaps. Weeks one through four targets, three, three, six, and seven. Fantasy points, 3.7, 8.9, 21.4, 29.6. That ACL was not, going to matter he was going to get the receiving work he was going to get the volume that acl did nothing for to stop saquon barkley from heading you know waltzing his way into the top 10 by the time that he got to the ankle injury in week five he was the rb10 overall in ppr and he played 48%, 48% of snaps in week one. Like that's ridiculous, right? We can all agree that you know after the ankle injury things looked bad. He played 60% of the snaps. Sometimes you couldn't tell the difference between him and Devontae Booker, which is the saddest part of all. It was it was like I'm not gonna say that it was all flowers and roses because it obviously wasn't. What I am saying is exactly what you alluded to. This is the healthiest he's been in a long time. Don't count this guy out. If you do so, do it in a draft with me. Imagine, imagine, can you imagine this? And I've said this on like several podcasts because I've actually seen the screenshot of it happening and I can't even believe it. Imagine starting Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Saquon Barkley. I put the chips, put all the chips in now. If that's if I can get one team that starts like that, I'll quit fantasy for the rest of my life.
0: Yeah, probably not because I'm a uh, dinner, I actually started. I started a team Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, AJ Brown with. Our underdog incubators when we did a draft, and granted, they're you know half the guys there are Madden players and stuff. But starting a draft, Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley as your first two picks should not be legal. Like both those guys. Again, we got to be consistent with these injuries, right? Because last year, and I fell into this trap too. I started to fade, you know, Joe Mixon and Austin Eckler a little bit because it looked like they couldn't stay healthy. It really is, you know, sometimes just luck of the draw who stays healthy and who doesn't. And sure, there's like contributing factors like their prior injury history, how many touches they have in their career, their age, all that kind of stuff. But for the most part, if we're going to say we believe in Christian McCaffrey, if he stays healthy, then we should say we believe in Saquon Barkley if he stays healthy. And the same, in my opinion, is true for a guy that is on everybody's fade list right now in Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry, I would say, I, from my non-medical opinion, it seems like his injury was the most serious of the guys that we're talking about in this you know segment here. He had a Jones fracture in his right foot. Basically, what are your thoughts on Derrick Henry? Is he too old? Is he too like put aside the football thing that he doesn't catch passes or whatever. But is Derrick Henry at risk of re-injuring his foot as a six foot four, 250 pound running back coming off of a Jones fracture?
1: I think with Derrick Henry, it's the answer to everything you just asked is. Yes, right. Maybe he refractures the foot because of his massive frame. And the amount of stress he's putting through the joints in his foot and ankle, maybe he's just a little too old at this point to continue to get the volume that he's been getting. And thirdly, right, you say you put aside the football stuff, but even even like that's not even the first thing you worry about, right? That's the third thing. Like that offense is like, what what are we looking at with that offense? So with Derrick Henry, I don't necessarily think that he is at risk for another you know Jones fracture per se, although we know that his size, his frame, everything about him puts him at risk for an injury like that. So, you know, a compressive type injury, like a joint related injury, you do worry about that with a guy like Derrick Henry. Add in the fact that he's just aging, right? Like He's human. And he showed that he was human in the playoffs when he came back after 10 weeks. The dude is just human. His efficiency is tailed off every year, like the last three years, I think something like that. His force tackles per touch. His yards after contact, his yards per carry, all of it is coming down, and that's to say, Derrick Henry's aging. It's normal. So when it comes to upside, when it comes to a guy that is going to fulfill that top ten upside, now with the foot, like you add the foot injury on top of it, I'm not confident in him. I don't love to say that because he's he's been, you know, a beast the last several years. I I think that in dynasty, it's definitely time to sell Derrick Henry. And depending on who's going around him, like I can't think of a guy. I don't know what his ADP is uh, in best ball versus redraft. Like a
0: top, he's I, like a top eight pick in both formats.
1: I can't imagine taking him as, as a top eight pick.
0: Okay. So we're on the opposite sides of this because for my money, Derrick Henry was better than Jonathan Taylor, two and a half points per game, better than him last year. Juke rate was still nearly 40% last year. He was still, you know, evading tackles. He had 92 evaded tackles last year. Only played eight games. It was third in the NFL overall. So I mean Derrick Henry yeah he might be falling off a little bit maybe he's uh you know losing a step a little bit but he he's still the engine of this offense and I still expect him to have like 85 red zone touches for the Tennessee Titans so again he's the, the riskiest I would say at least if I had to order these guys from like most confident to least confident from like an injury perspective I'm taking CMC and and you know Saquon Barkley from an injury perspective over uh, over Derrick Henry but for mm-hmm. me I'm If I'm going to be consistent and say, like, I'm not fading CMC because of injuries, I'm not fading Saquon Barkley because of injuries, I probably shouldn't fade Derrick Henry because of injuries, unless we have a legitimate concern about the Jones fracture, if it pops back up in training camp or the preseason or something that he's dealing with some kind of like uh, foot related things, then at that point, I'll probably be out. But for the most part, I think I'm as long as he's healthy going into the season, I'm going to be in at his current price, depending on what wide receivers are on the board. If I'll still take cup, I'll still take Jefferson. I'll still take chase. But if those guys are off the board, top two running backs are gone. I'm cool. Taking Derrick Henry as high as like 107, 108.
1: I'll say this. The reason that I Derek Henry will probably be, end up being somewhere in my yellow light tier this season. It won't necessarily be for injury. It'll just be for what's he going to look like from a performance standpoint. That's, that's where I worry about just because he has seen that, even though he had, you know, what you, what you mentioned, 92 beta tackles, I just don't know how long he can keep that up. And I don't know if the three years of a consistently stepwise decrease in efficiency is going to follow him or not. I don't know. I'm just, I mean, I think you worded it well though. Like I think of all the guys in that range, he's the riskiest. And so I was sort of, I think I'm just a little lower on him, but I agree that he's probably the riskiest.
0: Right, right. And 1400 career carries will take a toll on you at some point in time. The one thing that I looked at when I when I broke down, you know, running backs when they fall off multi time RB ones when they fall off, the outliers were Hall of Fame caliber running backs and Derrick Henry, in my opinion, has the the highest chance of a Hall of Fame caliber career uh, of the active running backs not named like Adrian Peterson and stuff. So Uh, Given the 2000 yard season that he's had and offensive players of the year and all that kind of stuff, and the freakish outlier of a human being that he actually is as well. So let's get off of Derrick Henry and these top guys. We got to get into what I labeled as Bush's guys because everybody who watches this channel knows that I am very high on Cam Akers, JK Dobbins, and Travis Etienne. Unfortunately, all three of those guys are coming off of major injuries. We'll start with Cam Akers because he tore his Achilles last July, July 20th, 2021, doing box jumps apparently. First played in week 18, exactly five months and 28 days after Achilles surgery. And when he tore his Achilles, the whole community was, this is the kiss of death. No running backs ever come back from a torn Achilles, but a 12-month recovery to training camp from the time that he tore it last year, 13 and a half months to the season. He struggled efficiency-wise in the playoffs, but my question for you is that to be expected. I, for one, am not really concerned about the efficiency because his peripherals are so goddamn good because he plays in a top three offense with a team that utilizes their main running back in the red zone. A la Todd Gurley in recent years, O-line's very good talent of the team talent of the player, as long as he's healthy. And we saw workhorse usage from him as early as six months after an Achilles tear in the Bucks game, despite him fumbling twice. So uh, what say you on cam Akers? Is this torn Achilles thing a result of new technology? Is he, you know, maybe an outlier? What, what are your thoughts on cam Akers?
1: I think I want to start by saying when it comes to cam makers, I'm not high on him. I'm not low on him. He kind of is. He, to me, he is what he is. Let me tell you why. So an Achilles tear, long story short is different than an ACL tear in that the Achilles tendon comes and coalesces down into your big calf muscles. Your calf muscles are, uh, they lead down to the Achilles tendon that are responsible for moving your ankle. They are responsible for letting guys jump, for letting them cut, sprint, jump everything you need to do from a powerful perspective once you sever that connection whether you repair it or you don't connect repair it uh, based on even the current medical technology it's never the same you need your power you need your your speed you need to be able to develop that work over time quickly an ACL is different in that it connects bone to bone once that bone to bone graft is healed and it and it is integrated into the body into the knee you get the muscles back firing you can pretty much be okay the thing about the Achilles is that for a running back they need it to be powerful. That is the the background, you know, beyond the stats, beyond the data, beyond the performance, that is the bottom line reason why we don't see a lot of success after this injury. Uh, the reason wide receivers like Manny Sanders can survive is because wide receivers can be shiftier, they are more they can be more cerebral, right? They're they can be technicians with route runners, they can run in the slot. There there's a lot more versatility that doesn't necessarily require more athleticism, speed. That's why wide receivers can continue to play for for a longer time. I say all that as a preface, right? To say all the data that shows running backs coming back from the Achilles for the Achilles injury is bad. Like just, we don't even need to get into it. It's bad. It's not a good sign uh, for Cam Akers. Flip side is we've never seen a guy of his athleticism, his draft capital, and the opportunity that he's going to get to make up for that, right? So you have two sort of big arguments. Never seen a guy like Cam Akers. All the data is bad. So I think that my brain has kind of coalesced until like, yeah, I think he could be fine. When he initially tore the Achilles, I, I said on my podcast, this was before he had like the big, the, the comeback. I said on my podcast, I think cam makers can reasonably come back to be 85 to 90% of what we thought his ceiling could be from an athletic perspective. And I still think that's reasonable that he came back and I think you're right. Like it was not like he's, he's six months post-op Achilles. He's not going to look great. Um, he's not going to look good and he didn't, and that's okay. I think I can be impressed by the six month comeback, but the bottom line is that he's just, depending on where you get him, I think he could be going too early. If you don't mind one more thing, I want to read this. This is in my, uh, in my NFL, sorry, injury insights over at FantasyPoints.com. So Akers' has come back in such a quick, quick period of time was by no means something to shrug off. But his playoff efficiency numbers further illustrate the stark difference between return to play and return to perform. Even the most ardent Acres supporter, sounds like you, must acknowledge that although there's no historical precedent that he can that he can't return to elite stardom, there's certainly no data or precedent to support that he will. In fact, all return performance data post-op Achilles is bleak to say the least. Drafting acres with the hopes he'll reach top 12 status is more of a gamble than playing probabilities. I feel like that's a succinct way to really say, like if you're in on acres, I don't blame you. And I understand like you're, you're looking for some upside. I also wouldn't like, I just wouldn't be overweight on him personally.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately for myself, I am already overweight on him as far as my best ball exposure. He is my highest exposed running back right now. It's all right, the reason Got he's it. my high—it's not because I'm blind to the medical, you know, data or whatever. The reason is because it's a 450,000 person tournament, and you have what? What's the percentage chance of winning that tournament? And to me, Akers' ceiling is Joe Mixon this past year, where he has 15 rushing touchdowns. You know, maybe he's not the most efficient guy on the ground. Maybe he's like four yards a carry or something like that, but he Did- gets. You Didn't know, I try to tell you about Joe Mixon teamwork. last year?
1: Did I tell you about Joe Mixon last year? I feel like I was on board with Joe Mixon. Last
0: I was, year. I was not out, I was not <laughs> in on Joe Mixon last year, and and to my detriment because he was very good. The thing I should have noticed about Joe Mixon was that he was playing in the best offense of his career. Therefore, the touchdown upside could have provided an outlier type of season. And I think with Cam Akers, what we've seen from the Rams is that they use their running backs in the red zone, whether it's Gurley, whether it's Henderson, whether it's Michelle. Michelle and Henderson last year combined for the second most red zone touches in the league, only behind Jonathan Taylor. So if Cam Akers is the starting running back, which is a whole separate concern, if they actually trust him with a big workload, then I think he's going to be a phenomenal pick in a standard redraft league. And you're, you're, you have to pick him in the third, fourth round or whatever. Maybe it's too rich. You, it It's an unnecessary risk, but in a huge tournament, like best ball, mania three, I'm taking that risk uh, at a chance of winning $2 million and getting next year's Joe mixing around four. So let's get on. That was a lengthy discussion on Cam Akers, but you know what? I needed to hear it for my own peace of mind's sake. Um, Travis Etienne, running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, He's another guy going in that like fourth round range. He suffered a Liz Frank sprain on August 16th, 2021, during the preseason, missed his entire rookie season. For those of you guys that are unfamiliar with Travis Etienne, he was an elite prospect coming out of Clemson. ACC's all-time rushing leader, 87th percentile target share. So a guy that can contribute as a receiver as well. First round draft capital alongside his fellow college uh, teammate, Trevor Lawrence, who was the first overall pick, and he was uh, 24th or 25th, I believe, in the 2021 NFL Draft. So James Robinson, his teammate, and who the guy that we were debating all summer before the um, Liz Frank sprain, what's the split going to look like? He then tore his Achilles back to the Cam Akers discussion in December. So this backfield, at least for the time being, looks pretty wide open for Travis Etienne. What say you from a health perspective? Is the Liz Frank something that we need to be concerned about?
1: I think it's something that needs to be on your radar, at least. I think the probability of him still having some hardware in the foot that could pop up on the injury report as a foot or an ankle or some irritation or stuff that will get in the way, or maybe he misses a you know a play or two down the stretch, that's definitely a possibility. So I don't think it needs to be totally off your radar. Another thing is you look at the data coming back from a list rank injury from uh, the, the medical perspective is offensive players in the NFL lose about 21% of their offensive production year one post-op, and then they regain it in year two. Can't ignore that either. Flip side, in a very similar way to like the Cam Akers argument, how there's a good, there's like a decent argument against, decent argument for. He's probably going to get all the opportunities. He's probably going to get all the passing work that might help, you know, you know, mitigate some of that, that explosiveness he might not have year one. And he's he's I think that he's obviously he's a good player. So all those things to say that if you're getting him in the third, fourth, like I'm happy with that. I'm happy to take a gamble uh, on a few rosters, for example, to like, if I go, I'm willing to go like three wide receivers straight. And if Etienne is still sitting there, I'm, I'm not mad about that. Like I'll take it. Like, I know that's probably not happening in redraft at this point, or definitely won't be in August, but something like that, even if I go wide receiver, wide receiver Etienne, like I'd be happy with that. Like I'd be okay with that.
0: Yeah, and it's it's definitely doable on like underdog where people are typically more wide receiver heavy. You can definitely get ETN Acres one of these guys as your first running back after taking three wide receivers or two wide receivers and Andrews or Kelsey or something like that. So, um, yeah, ETN was a guy I loved coming out of school. He was my RB one in the class. I was really pissed that he got injured his rookie season. So he's another guy that I'm again I'm not overweight on him yet in terms of uh, my underdog (laughs) exposure, but you're you're headed there. there. (laughs) I definitely have a lot of them, all of these guys in dynasty leagues too, because I just, I believed in them as prospects. So I took them in rookie drafts a lot. So um, the final guy that fits this description, and this is the one I've cooled on the most just because of what's happened so far in the off season calendar. Um, But J.K. Dobbins running back from the Ravens. Now, from the football perspective, I am of the belief that if he didn't get injured last year, he would have taken a major step up in terms of the opportunity share of that backfield. Everybody likes to, and we're seeing it with Javante Williams already, people like to get wrapped up in what the opportunity split was in year one, but they don't usually recognize that on average, I did a study on this last year, 17.5% was the average opportunity share increase of efficient rookie running backs to their second season. So, J.K. Dobbins with a 70% or 65% opportunity share of the Ravens backfield probably would have smashed last year, had a lot of you know scoring opportunities. He's also freakishly good athletically, but he has a grade three ACL tear on August 28th contact ACL tear, I believe too, because it was a hit where he hyperextended his knee. And typically I, I remember most of these ACL tears that we're dealing with are like non contact injuries. He had surgery on September 7th. So that gives him pretty much exactly 12 months before the start of the season, 10 and a half months, 11 months before training camp. He was absent during mini camp, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, as was his teammate Gus Edwards, who also tore his ACL. So very young running back at 23 years old, uber great athlete, great offense when he's out there. Like I said, he is the guy that I've cooled on the most of these three. My attitude towards him has pretty much been what happens throughout this offseason, because if he starts to, you know, miss time in the training camp, miss time in the preseason, And we're like, oh, maybe he'll be ready for week one. I'm out. But if he's on the field for training camp and he's playing in preseason games, I'm going to be all the way in.
1: Yeah, and I think that this really, this saga started in August. And you think to yourself, oh, August ACL shouldn't be no problem at all. Unfortunately, we started getting reports that, you know, during minicamp, he was just standing there catching balls off the jugs machine. Never a good sign, not a good start to a 2022 season. You mentioned the contact injury. The reason that is relevant is because when he was hit and hyperextended there's a chance the pcl was ruptured which throws off his timelines and there's a chance that the meniscus was damaged which throws off his timelines which is why we might still be sitting here in almost july of 2022 wondering what that where the heck is jk dobbins it doesn't sound like he's going to be ready by training camp so definitely someone that i would be much less inclined to be high on and even if he is back by training camp, I just don't trust that the Ravens won't split this backfield simply because coaches and organizations do have a habit of, you know, well, Oh, look at this. Both of these guys tore their ACL. Like we need to, we need to offload both of these and whether that's by bringing another running back or whether it's by splitting the carries between the two more than you'd, you'd anticipate. Like, I don't know what that looks like, but, just from like a volume perspective, it's really difficult to see him thriving coming off of the ACL because the coaches might want to protect him. So that's something that I worry about. Um, I know I t- initially when I messaged you, I think you asked me about him before, and I was like, "Oh yeah, like this is kind of like a mini Saquon Barkley situation." But now that we know the severity's much worse than we anticipated, and now that we know that he might even actually start on the on the reserve pup, for now, I'm definitely going to going to cool off on on J.K. Dobbins.
0: Yeah. And on underdog again, massive tournament when he's there in the sixth round, I'll get some shares because if he does, you know, let's say he clears the pup list. He's fine. He's on the field for training camp somehow. He's playing in preseason games and he's ready to go for week one. At the very least, you got to imagine his ADP is going to climb to round three, round four or something like that. So getting some exposure to him now is is basically what I've been doing but I've cooled on the like I put out a video in um you know April or May saying that he's my number one buy in dynasty right now. I would hold off on that until we start to see him on the field a little bit. I'm cool paying the 110% of the cost knowing that he's actually healthy um for this season because running backs have short shelf lives. So if he has a lost season this year, we're talking about you know a guy going into his fourth NFL season instead of his third NFL season ready to produce for year uh dynasty teams and obviously the running back position doesn't usually have you know, illustrious a, a second contracts very often. So um, the final guys that we're going to talk about here, this would probably be pretty quick, um, but I'm just curious uh, among the guys that tore their ACLs mid to late in the season. So this would apply Michael Gallup, Chris Godwin, Jamison Williams, um, John Mechie, his teammate, uh, Robert Woods, Jameis Winston, a number of other guys. I think Robert Tunyon tore his ACL as well. I can't remember. There's a couple other guys. Of these guys that I just mentioned, who are you most concerned for and who are you most comfortable with?
1: it's hard to say from like, who am I comfortable with versus who am I, um, who am I not comfortable with? Cause you could look at it from like a performance standpoint. You could look at it from just a return standpoint. I'll look at it from a return standpoint. Gallup unlikely to be back until mid November. Woods could be back at the start of the season. Week one, he's cutting it really close. Um, Godwin unlikely to be back until mid November based on reports that they want to take it slow. Jamison Williams won't, till the October. those are that's the situation you're looking at with these guys it's highly 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 unlikely you see any of these guys um unless it's with these specific guys you have listed robert woods is the most likely to be active by week one uh, even then with woods i'd probably wait another two to four weeks before we really see his hit, he, see him hit his ceiling so you know all that is to say that you can probably get a decent discount on your boy Mike Evans sitting right behind you and I don't know about Gallup and honestly I don't even know about a rookie wide receiver Jameson Williams for this year maybe in dynasty for sure but yeah I guess I don't don't know if I if any of that makes sense but I think a lot of these guys timelines for some reason have been reported to be a lot earlier sooner than they were like it's going to be at least nine months from the surgical date that's all you need to know
0: Yeah. And with Gallup, with Godwin, with like JMO was in January when he suffered his Gallup and Godwin were like late December when they suffered theirs. I would stop drafting Chris Godwin because I know he's still going like in the fifth, sixth round of underdog drafts because people are like, oh, I got to stack him with Brady. I got to stack him with Evans and, you know, come the fantasy playoff time, I'm going to get there. But I feel like we do this every year. There's like one or two good wide receivers coming off of injuries that are like still injured and we don't expect them to be on the field for like six, eight games. Last year was Michael Thomas. This year it's Chris Godwin. I usually avoid guys that are coming already into the season, not expected to play for the first like six games at least, which as a Bucks fan, I follow my team pretty close. I would be stunned if Godwin is off, is not on the list to start the season, if not the IR altogether. So, um, yeah, Mike Evans, I'm getting very, very heavy on Mike Evans, Russell Gage, fine, whatever. He's okay too. But, uh, Yeah, Godwin was the one that I basically wanted the the most insight on because I think Godwin is going the highest of of those guys, and I think people are a little, you know, there's a misconception of how much Godwin they're getting uh, at the current moment. So, Edwin, thank you for coming on here. A lot of running back talk, a lot of uh, serious injury talk. Hopefully, we can have you on before the season. Hopefully, we don't have too many serious injuries to talk about at that point in time. Hopefully, we got a healthy uh, training camp, healthy preseason, unlike last year where it was pretty much mayhem. Um, so yeah, definitely appreciate you coming on. If you guys enjoyed this video at any point, like comment, subscribe, I'll let you again, once, uh, once again, plug anything that you got going on.
1: No, man, go to the, uh, go to the twitters.com at FB injury doc. My newsletter is pinned to the top of the page injury prone podcast. And that's it, man. That's all appreciate you having me on.
0: Awesome. All right. So Guys, we a lot of underdog fantasy talk as well. Check out underdog fantasy promo code FSE at sign up and first deposit. Get you 100% back on whatever you put in. Also, you will get both our Dynasty Rankings Manifesto and our Redraft Rankings Manifesto for free as a thank you for doing that. So you get all of our rankings and you get to win some money. Get, uh, get your shot at $2 million to first place, 10 million in total prizes on Best Ball Mania 3. That being said, peace out. We'll talk to you soon.